0: Right, We're all taking right. all the best old school wisdom and blending it with the top new school methods to bring you the optimal coaching strategies. This, this, this is the 8020 baseball podcast with Coach Bo. Welcome 80-20 baseball community, the youth sports, youth baseball community. Coaches, parents, even players I know are listening to this podcast. Hope you had a great 4th of July. Major League All-Star Game is this evening, the evening that this episode goes live. I always recommend for those of you, like most of us, we're busy. We're busy with our day jobs. We're busy being parents of in other roles outside of just sports and baseball. We're trying to take care of the things around the house. We're trying to take care of our health. We're probably trying to take care of other family members, parents, grandparents. We're busy and watching a lot of baseball outside of the baseball that you're coaching or watching out there at the youth field can be a challenge. Taking in a lot of baseball can be a challenge, but I highly recommend if you're going to watch. Or if you can, do your best to watch the All-Star Game. And I'll tell you specifically why in a second. Watch the All-Star Game, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, and the playoffs. There's two different reasons. The reasons are different for both. Watching the All-Star Game, it's just packed with players that have honed their skills, that have optimized their game as best as possible. They're not perfect, but they're as close to perfect of a baseball player in the world. That's why they are the All-Stars for Major League Baseball. They are the best of the best. And I think it's important to look for commonalities when you watch the All-Star game. And if you watch the All-Star game, you're going to see just every hitter is an All-Star, of course, stepping up to the plate. Every pitcher, of course, is an All-Star. Every player on the field has established themselves or has proven that they are the best of the best. So I think it's great to watch the All-Star game and try to find commonalities in their swings, in their pitching deliveries, in their ready positions how the catchers set up, how the catchers move, how they run the bases. With that said, it is an all-star game. So players, this has always been the case, won't be going 100%. Some might be from time to time. There might be a player that tries to leg out a triple because the crowd is excited. Julio Rodriguez might play a little harder because it's his hometown. There will be players playing harder or giving more effort than others. But for the most part, they're going about 90%. Now, when they're in the Batter's box, or when they're pitching, that's really when you see them giving their best. The pitchers are giving it their best. The hitters in the batter's box are giving it their best. Now, when they run the bases, they might let up a little. They might not risk an injury. They might not do that crazy slide at home plate. They might just let up and, and go from there. That's because it's an all star game. It's an exhibition game. Of course, that makes sense. But it's really great to watch the all star game because it's just packed. It's dense with high level skill. So look for the commonalities. Look for the things that a lot of the players are doing, and look to use that when you're coaching up your players or players that are listening to this. Look for things that a lot of the players are doing. Go out and test it out a little bit, insofar as it's something that fits into youth baseball. Obviously, sometimes there's a strength difference. There's a difference at that level. They might be doing something that is very detail-oriented, which probably is not great when you're laying your foundation as a youth player to go and copy or try to copy. Of course, Major League Baseball players are in a different spot in their career, but look for things that you're coaching up in your players, players that are listening to this, things that you're doing right now that you're working on, those areas that you know you need to get good at or better at for your level, and then look to see what they're doing with that particular skill or action, see if you can't learn something. Speaking of All-Star Game, Derek Jeter, he was on Colin Cowherd's show yesterday. He's at the All-Star Game with Big Poppy, Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod. They've been doing a show over there for the last couple days and getting ready for the All-Star Game. And Cowherd asked Derek Jeter, how was it that he could elevate his game or that he elevated his game or at least at, at a minimum kept his game elevated when the postseason came around and All-Star Games? So his stats and In the postseason and in all-star games were better or as good as his hall of fame stats during the regular season and the question was well you're going against better talent in the postseason you're going against better players in the all-star game how was it that you were able to elevate or at least keep that high quality of production going that high amount of production going and he said i didn't play the game any different i didn't change my mindset I just went about the game the same way. I didn't change how I looked at the game. I didn't change the way I approached the game because it was a playoff game or an all-star game. And here's something he said that really stood out. He goes, I made sure to always have fun. He wanted to have fun so he could stay relaxed and not tense up and let the moment crush him. So as coaches, we have to be careful with our body language, our dialogue, the optics that we're giving off to our players when it comes to the playoffs and big games. They're going to feed off us. So I thought what Derek Jeter said was interesting. Now, back to watching high-level baseball and trying to learn from it. I highly recommend watching postseason games because those are... The teams, the players going all out, they're going all out. They're doing anything and everything with their slides, with their hustle with their effort. It's max effort. Not only that, it's the best teams playing. The teams that are winning the most, that have won the most, of course, are in the playoffs. So you get the combination, the best combination of quality baseball along with max hustle, max effort. So I recommend if you don't have a lot of time to watch baseball, and most of you don't, I highly recommend you check the All-Star Game out. If not, watch a replay of it so you can just skip through and watch it faster. Try to watch a replay so you don't have to watch the commercials. Maybe make it a point to sit down with your kid spend some time. Speaking of which, last night I watched the Home Run Derby. I haven't watched the Home Run Derby in a few years. I used to always watch it, especially growing up. Never missed any of that. I have not missed watching an All-Star game in forever but I've paid less attention to the Home Run Derby. And so last night, my nephew's in town. Mo man and I got together with him, and we watched it together. So my pops, my nephew, we all watched the entire two and a half hours, two hours and 45 minutes. I liked it. I got a little dizzy trying to watch the pitch and where the ball landed and the bonus stuff, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I think they could work on the template for that. But nonetheless, it was fun. It was a good reason to sit there and talk and visit with my old man, and with my nephew. So it was great. So maybe you just use the All-Star Game as a reason or the World Series as a reason to hang out with your kid or kids. In today's episode, we will discuss a mistake that I made, a mistake I made, even after discussing the same exact topic on this podcast. I made the mistake even after discussing it with all of you on this podcast, literally within the last two weeks. We'll talk about optimizing both the short game and the long game of youth baseball. And it may not be the short game, long game that you're thinking about. Also, we'll talk about a couple key tips, a few key tips for being a better youth sports parent. And these are tips that I recommend coaches pass along to the parents of your team to create a much better youth baseball environment. So we have expectations For our players, we have rules, standards, not very many of them, but you should have at least three that I can think of off the top of my head, if not a fourth or fifth that you always enforce, that you always uphold. You don't want a lot of rules, but you want to have those key rules that keep it together, that are the the glue to the seams of the team. But why not have a template or a guide to help the parents. I wouldn't tell them where to sit, what flavor Gatorade to drink during the game, how big the umbrella or easy up should be, or whether or not to be reading a book while the game's going on or not. But I would have some tips and guidance to provide those parents that are sitting in the stands of the games you coach. So I've thought about this a little bit recently, and this is something I think we should dig into moving forward a little bit more. Because one of the biggest problems, as most all of you know, in youth baseball... The parents as a whole, the fans, the spectators, which is parents, family. I think an area we could definitely work on is giving parents a little guidance with this. This is something that takes some delicacy. Might have to be a little strategic with this and we'll talk about it. We'll talk about a few tips for helping our parents, the parents of our players, ourselves be better for youth baseball and for our kids. And I have a coaching quote of the week, a good one. But this coaching quote of the week has something missing and something big missing. And this quote was on Twitter. It got a lot of likes, retweets, but it has a big omission. And we'll talk about that. Now, the quote in and of itself was good, but it omitted something big. And we'll talk about that and how we can use the understanding of that to be better coaches, parents, players. Last week, we discussed how to, as coaches, to give praise, how we give it and not just that it's important to give it out but how we give it out. So it's consistency and how we apply it, how we implement it. We talked about showing kids how we want them to play using video, using highlights to speed up their understanding of how we want them to hustle, play the game, understand situations and where the best play might be, such as on defense or watching base runners do it the right way or run the bases extremely well and to see examples of that. So it plants the seed in our players' minds. And I shared good news with new coaches that sometimes being a new coach, as long as your guidance and your information is quality, can actually be in a better place going out there coaching up players because you don't get distracted by the 20 things you could talk about when it comes to pitching, for example, or the 20 things you could talk about or coach up with your hitters. You just stick to the few key things that you know and get the players really good at those things as long as those items are the big needle movers, the 80-20. So I made a mistake at the restaurant with my own kid, my dad, myself, my wife, my kid, and my niece went to get some sushi. I'm not a big fan of sushi. I don't mind it. I think some sushi is really good. Definitely not something I would pick first and foremost. I would probably go with extremely good Mexican food. Also right up there, a close runner up would be some really good Southern food. I'm a big fan of hamburgers. French fries. I also like Indian food. I like curry a lot. I like the spices they use. They just have a really awesome flavor in my opinion, at least in my palate's opinion. But nevertheless, we go to this sushi place. Yeah, they have sushi in Boise. I know, a little skeptical. So we go and there's a conveyor belt, this little conveyor belt made out of metal and it's going around. A lot of you have probably seen this. It's a sushi conveyor belt. Well, my niece grabs two of the plates. She sees something that she really likes. It's the same thing. And there's two plates back to back coming. So she grabs both of them. They went by me. They went by my kid and my niece was third in line. And hey, by the way, if you're going to go to one of those sushi conveyor belt places. You want to be on the side. You want to be on the end that gets first dibs on all of those dishes. Maybe not. Maybe you don't, because maybe then you have to let everything go because you're the person that doesn't want to take something somebody else wants. And then by the time you realize nobody else wanted that delicious looking roll or sashimi, it's already gone. And then you got to wait three minutes for it to come back around. I don't know, but I digress. So my niece pulls the two plates off, sets them in front of her. And 15 seconds later, my daughter reaches over and grabs one of the plates, just grabs it and starts actually touching the fish. Of course, the, the tuna that's on top of some rice. And I made a big mistake. I out loud said, Hey, don't do that. That's not yours. The way I said it, the tone and the volume in which I said it was not good. I said it loudly and I said it in a tone that wasn't where it should have been. Now, here's the thing. If my daughter and I were alone at a restaurant, it wouldn't have been as big a deal, but we weren't. She was sitting there in front of her older niece. She looks up to, and I put her on blast. I put her on blast in front of her niece, her auntie and her grandpa, and it went downhill quick. You know, we talk about praising loudly and critiquing softly. And here I didn't even listen to my own suggestion and it backfired. I know being a parent, nobody's ever perfect. We're just trying to be as good as we can. And I think that's a good message as, as coaches or for coaches and parents. We're not expecting ourselves to be perfect coaches. There's no such thing. We're just trying to be better coaches today than we were yesterday. And I took a step back with that as a parent. That was a bad move on my part. I put my kid on blast and put her head down him. 15 minutes later, She looks up at me and she says, daddy, you embarrassed me. And there I had it. Told to me, point blank, I embarrassed her with how I reacted. Now, I definitely should have parented her up on this. This is not something I should have let slide. What she did was not acceptable in terms of how people should go about themselves at a dinner environment or at a meal or in any case, you know, taking something that's not theirs without asking. But I should have responded differently. I should have been softer with my critique. What I should have done looking back now is I probably should have leaned down, been firm, but whispered in her ear firmly that we don't do that. That's not acceptable. That's not polite. We don't take food from other people without asking. I should have done it quietly so only she could hear it. And I think if I would have said the exact same thing that I said to her out loud the first time, if I would have said the exact same wording, but just whispered it and leaned over slowly, not aggressively, but just leaned over slowly and said the exact same thing softly, but firmly in her ear. She wouldn't have been embarrassed. I would have got my point across. She would have likely improved her behavior, which is what we want. We want better behavior. We want kids to understand how to be polite, how to have manners. And I messed up. So if this happens in a game or at a practice, they'll double down on it. I apologized for how I said it. And I told her next time, I'll be quieter about it and I'll whisper it. I didn't tell her next time I won't say anything. I didn't apologize for coaching her up, parenting her up. I didn't apologize for helping her to become a better person. I apologized to her specifically for how I said it. And I told her the next time, I'll handle it this way. So she knows next time I'm going to address it, but I'm going to address it in a more respectful, calm, quiet way, not putting her on blast. All right. The Atlanta Braves. Best in the league. Best team in the league. They've had one of the best First halves, they're 60-29. and They have a really, really good record. The best record in all of baseball by a few games, two or three games, over the next best, and that's not even in the National League. That's Tampa Bay in the American League. So the Atlanta Braves off to an amazing start, an outstanding season so far. You might be saying, Coach, why are you talking about Major League Baseball again? Here's the message that I want to share the lesson we can learn from this, the point I'm trying to make. The Atlanta Braves are getting all this publicity as being this amazing team, yet they lose one out of every three games. Every third day, they lose. They play two games, they win two, they lose one. They win two, they lose one. They win two games then they lose a game. On average, they don't win three games in a row. On average, they win two games in a row and then lose their third game on average. Of course, I know that's not how the season shakes out. They go on bigger winning streaks and things like that, as we all know, but their winning percentage is 67%. They're the best team of baseball. They're the hottest team of baseball. It seems like they're always winning, yet they lose every third day. Win two, lose one. Coaches, you're going to lose games. Even the great teams lose games. Even the best managers lose games. In fact, the greatest managers of all time, the Hall of Fame managers in baseball are only win 60% of the games, literally a D minus average in schools. You're going to lose games. What you need to be perfect with is how many players come back next year and want to play. How many of your players want to sign up and play again next year? Let's try to be perfect with that stat because you're not going to win all your games. Even the great coaches lose games. Even the great John Wooden didn't win a championship for over a decade and a half as a head coach before he won one. I think it's like 16th or 17th year of coaching. Did he finally win a championship? We think John Wooden is winning all the championships. He didn't. So I wanted to share that message. I thought the Braves are amazing. They're dominating. And then I go look at their record. They only win 67% of their games. And I say only, that's amazing. That's amazing in the context of baseball. So let's make sure that we are fair with ourselves as coaches about the winning percentage and the winning percentage that matters most is how many players want to come back and play next year. And more importantly, or more specifically, how many players would come back and play for you again. Speaking of that, the next part I wanted to hit on here, let's play the long game with youth baseball when it comes to our kids getting better. Let's play the long game. Let's blend skill development and confidence slash having fun together. So they have some improvement, but they also continue to come back year after year. We want our players to get better. We want them to improve. We want them to have success. We want their skills to get better. We want them to have fun. We want them to be a part of a team. We want them to enjoy youth baseball. We want them to continue playing. Well, we must keep in mind, it's impossible to enjoy the sport of baseball, to enjoy youth sports. It's impossible for our kids to grow and improve themselves through youth sports. It's impossible for them to have a chance to play baseball. In high school or even college, or even like the aforementioned pro baseball, it's impossible for any of that to happen if they quit. There is no baseball team in Quitsville, USA. Quitsville, USA has no youth baseball. It has no youth sports. It's full of kids missing out on all the benefits that youth sports, youth baseball can offer and can provide and facilitate. Youth baseball is a vehicle that we can use. It should be a fun, enjoyable vehicle that we can use to get our kids better prepared for the rest of their life, but in a fun way, in a gamified way, with their peers, teammates. But it's impossible for our players to improve if they quit because there is no baseball team in Quitsville, USA. So be careful how hard you throttle, how hard you are, how much you push it, because when they quit, Now there's zero chance of any good coming from youth baseball or youth sports. So let's be careful with that. Play the long game. That doesn't mean you can't get them better early and it doesn't mean players can't improve and we shouldn't try to get them to be better. Just be careful because if they quit, you have zero chance. So it's better to have slow growth, play the long game than it is to have them go to quitsville. So the short game is we want them to have some success. We want them to have fun in the short term. We want them to have fun and enjoyment each time they go out. We want them to continue to have some progress. That's why it's important not to overcoach them, but get them to see some progress in at least one area or two areas, preferably key areas, the 80 20 areas, and then play the long game. Now, the long game for youth sports is not 80 years, it's not 50 years, it's not 30 years, it's probably just 10 years, but keep that in mind. All right. Coaching quote of the week. This is from The Winning Difference. The Winning Difference on Twitter. At The Winning diff D-I-F-F, one. It's a good Twitter account that I follow. And the quote, there's two quotes here. Culture doesn't change when a coach tells a player he's wrong. It changes when players tell other players. No, that's not how we do things here. End quote. Jeff Hexelinski. The next quote from PJ Fleck. Quote, on bad teams, nobody leads on good teams. The coaches lead on elite Teams, the players lead. End quote. These are good quotes on the surface. They are. They're good quotes about the result that we would like. On elite teams, the players lead. Great. But I'll tell you what, very, very few players, very few. I mean, very few. You will probably coach if you're lucky, just a few of these if you coach long enough. Know how that show up to your team with the skill set of understanding how to be an effective, high-quality leader. How many adults in the world right now are running big companies? How many adults you know in managerial positions? How many adults you know in the business world and in your lives that are not good leaders or not great leaders or have have flaws as leaders. Now, you expect young kids, even high school, college kids, to, to understand, have the skill set to know how to navigate being a leader? We talk about being a leader so hard and so challenging to be a great leader. And then we're just saying, yeah, in elite teams, players lead. Yes. But I think behind the scenes, I don't agree that players lead 100%. I think players have been led by a foundation laid. They are guided by a foundation laid by great coaching, by adults that have guided them by an environment that has guided them in the right direction, and then they run with it. But I don't think if we just leave it up to the players, it's going to turn out very good. I don't agree with that. I don't think they have the skill set, definitely at the youth baseball level, and even high school and college. I don't think there's enough players on every team to have enough skills at the right times with the right nuances for all their different teammates in all the different situations to be effective leaders. That's as adults, that's what we are here for because we've lived a lot longer. We have a lot more experience. We've come across a lot more personalities, a wide variety of people. So we can nuance and we can tailor our responses and things better. On bad teams, nobody leads. 100% agree with that. The coaches don't lead, players don't lead, nobody has no leadership or it's bad leadership. On good teams, the coaches lead. So on good teams, the coaches lead. On elite teams, the players lead. I, I think it's omitting one thing here. If I'm just a youth coach and I'm hearing that, I'm like, oh, well, hey, players, you got to lead. You got to lead. Telling players to go lead is not a good idea. Giving them the tools and the skills and the direction to lead, ideally in a subtle way so it's not not this proclamation in front of everybody, like, hey, you're the leader here. Again, I went back to this with the captain discussion we had two or three episodes ago. We want players to lead, but at the end of the day, the adults are the adults. So I think this quote is much more applicable to professional sports, to high level college sports, but asking even a high school kid or expecting them to have the skill set, youth baseball kids to have the skill sets, the ability to be outstanding leaders without eventually backfiring a little or imploding a little, I don't agree with that. That's what the adults are for. And if we let the kids try to run it completely, we're gonna be in trouble. Even the best and wisest of kids at a young age with leadership skills and ability to connect with others and get people to go and do the right thing are still not going to be as effective as an experienced adult. That can come in with a plan that we've talked about at length here on great teams for youth sports. The coach is always leading, but ideally, it's much more subtle. Ideally, they're working through players, but at the end of the day, they're leading these individual players to be leaders in and of themselves. So, yeah, bad teams, coaches don't lead, players don't lead. It's a free for all. There's no system, there's no upheld discipline. There's no rules, standards, expectations. On good teams and great teams, in my opinion, the coaches are always the leader, the ultimate leader. But ideally, you're trying to get those players here and there, those that are ready for it, to lead from a modeling point of view, not a just yelling and and directing verbally, but by how they demonstrate how to be a high hustle player, a player that works hard, a player that's coachable, a player that's doing things right. So yeah, when players lead, that's awesome. But I really truly believe it's driven and will continue to always be driven at least at a minimum behind the scenes by the coaches, the adults, those with a lot more experience. But there are some really great players in terms of leadership skills. So leverage them, leverage them. But it's not carte blanche. It's not free reign. Remember, we don't want to treat our players like they're in a zoo, like tight cages, 12 by 12 cages. But we don't want just to have this free reign of the Serengeti. Think of wild animal parks, right? They don't see the fences until they've gone too far. And then there's the fence. All right. They have a lot of room to roam, but there are fences, They're kids, even 16, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds need guidance. They still need guidance and directions from adults who have the experience to share and lead and guide them, especially in all those nuanced areas. All right. I just got a call from a good friend of mine, Mike. He's going to sit down and do an interview with me right now. He's ready to rock. We've been trying to schedule this interview to bring to you, and I'm excited. What I'm going to do with this last part, talking about tips for parents and for us as parents that are listening, which is most all of us or all of you, and also for us coaches to work with the parents of our teams. I'm going to share those key tips in next week's episode at the beginning of next week's episode, and then we're going to dive into part one of the interview I'm going to do with Mr. Mike Hofius, a longtime friend of mine, somebody I think has a lot of good wisdom. He's got kids in youth sports. He played high-level Division One college baseball, played professional baseball, been drafted. He's a private hitting coach right now but he has his day job. Like most of you, that's not baseball related, but he does private eating coaching with some really talented players, youth players. He's got some really good information on a lot of these areas that I want him to share that we haven't hit on as much. So I told you I'd bring you some interviews this summer. So he just called me right now as I'm recording this and said he's ready to rock. He was out on vacation and he's going to make some time to get on the get on the phone and record the interview. So I'm going to cut off this episode here. Next week, we're going to tie in some of those tips for how to work with parents, how to be better parents ourselves at youth sporting events. And then I'll bring you part one of the interview with coach Mike next week. All right. Until next week, take care of yourselves. Take care of your health. Take care of your families, your close friends. Support the podcast by leaving a rating, a review. That helps kind of boost the podcast. Share it with other people. I don't have advertisements on here. It's just pure content to help you in a fast, efficient way. So if you could share this, send it to people you know, share it out there. That would be awesome email me your success stories, your questions, coachbo at 8020baseball.com and head over to 8020baseball.com. Get your drill design guide. I updated the website this last week. It's a little cleaner. It's got good articles, good videos, a lot of good information over there along with the free drill design guide. All right. So until next week, take care of yourself. Check that last part. All right. Great being here with all of you. Take care. Until next week. Adios. This has been the 80-20 Baseball Masterclass. Take it to the field.